The Joyful Friar podcast is made possible by the generous support of our friends. To support the podcast, please visit nathan-castle.com and donate today. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. I'm Father Nathan Castle, your host. Today, I'm coming to you, um, I'm recording this the week before Christmas. I live on the campus of the University of Arizona, and the friars that I live with all work in campus ministry or are retired from it. And school's out because it's so close to Christmas, so it's quiet. And we have a donor that... uh, every year gives us a little getaway to um, some condos where we can just go and relax and um, do Christmas cards or sleep in, whatever. So that's um, about as rested as I can be. People expect that the holidays are going to be really frantic and busy, and there's some of that. But I'm busy with you today, and and, and I'm excited to be with you because the uh, third of my Afterlife Interrupted books just um, became available on Amazon last week. So I was thinking, uh, is, is it my baby? Well, no. Grandbaby? It's the third one. Great grandbaby. Anyway, I'm really happy and pleased with the way that it turned out. And today I want to share a story with you from that book. It's um, it, it's called Tony the Floating Anthony's and Tinkerbell. So you might be familiar with this podcast that when we introduce a new story, we first tell the story briefly in an initial podcast. Then there's a part two that goes into um, kind of a res- response, a, uh, a compassionate response, I call it, to uh, the way this story has affected people. Now, this one hasn't been out very long, so I haven't received a lot of uh, feedback about it, but uh, I'll anticipate it. And then the third one in the series is uh, uh, spiritual practice, some spiritual practice from the Catholic tradition uh, that might apply somehow. It it might be topical because of something that came up in this story. So uh, I got this story. uh, It was received actually on Easter, April the 12th, of 2020 that was a, a pretty important time uh if you recall the the uh we became aware of the pandemic uh COVID-19 just the month before I remember that uh, Easter well because the churches were completely locked down uh, we were just not around anybody we were uh, we, we had every reason to be very cautious at that very early uh, point of the pandemic but uh, I remember the, the, the university was closed down. All the students were gone. All the uh, students' work was being done remotely. We were beginning to do uh, live stream masses, which we were just learning to do. A great many people learned how to use Zoom, which is what I'm doing uh, right now, uh, because of the pandemic as a, a way to be connected with people. Nevertheless, that the initial uh, contact dream came on April 12th, which was Easter of 2020. Here's the story as I received it. And and when I awakened from having that dream, I wrote it down. I was a young man in the middle back seat of a van. We were a work crew. We had been detoured to an unfamiliar road. 
In the distance were oil refineries and a tank farm. A fire had started. Thick black smoke was filling the sky. There was a big explosion and fire. I said, these plants are old. The driver decided to reroute our trip to avoid going in the direction of the explosion. We were next to a waterway with several ships. Our van began to totter on the driver's side as we were backing up. I thought, if we fall into that water, there'll be no getting out of here. We leveled out, but the driver kept backing up. We tilted more and more, and I awoke. Well, this was a very evocative story. I, Even though I received it three years ago, more than that, three and a half, uh, I still remember waking from it. It touched upon a lot of things, and it was it was very well told. I grew up in Southeast Texas uh, in a region, Port Arthur, Texas is where I was born. And uh, Beaumont was where uh, nearby where the spindle top gusher blew in that was the beginning of Texaco and all the oil that's associated with uh, Texas. That corner of Southeast Texas is just one chemical refinery after the next, most of which were built in the first half of the 20th century. So many of them are old. My dad was in harbor, a harbor pilot in coastal shipping. So a lot of the tankers that went out to sea in and out of the docks, um, it was his job to get on them and dock them in tight spaces. Um, and when I was, all of my brothers and sisters, when each of us got our driver's license on our 16th birthday, we went on the payroll to be dad's driver because he would leave his truck uh, uh, wherever he got on the ship and then he took the ship somewhere else and then needed a ride. So I was uncommonly familiar with being inside oil refineries and on the little roads inside all of these uh, twisted pipes and uh, and the way that that Anthony told this story, Tony, uh, it, it reminded me when he mentioned a bluff and several ships and nasty water inside a refinery. Well, I've been there. I've seen that. Anyway, it the, he he was very vivid in the way that he explained being in the middle of the back seat of a fifteen passenger van. Have you ever been in those? If you're in the middle back seat, you're nowhere near a window or a door. You you better hope you don't need to get out in a hurry. Uh, he mentioned that hardly anybody. Uh, uh, buckled their seatbelt in these and it reminded me of those vans that take you from the parking lot at the airport into the terminal you know you're only going to be in it for a few minutes and nobody bothers to buckle up a seatbelt in those things so that was his circumstance as you heard things didn't go at all as planned they the, uh, he told us that um once they saw that there was an explosion in the plant, they figured they'd have to get on the radio and call their dispatcher to see if the work that they were assigned to do that day was still uh, possible to do or whether this emergency was changing everything. Uh, the The young man that was driving, there, there was, it was a group of young men in their early 20s. Um, they were roustabouts. They were, they, they were sent to different places on different days, depending upon jobs that needed to be done. He said he really liked the work. They worked very hard. Sometimes they were put up overnight in cheap motels. He said there wasn't carousing or heavy drinking. They were they worked so hard they were just tired at night and went to sleep. He was happy about that because he said that um, 
he had seen all that in high school and just didn't want that. He didn't want to work that hard and then blow his money. He was saving his money. Tony told us that uh, he was an Italian young guy in a, in a big uh, Italian family that was loud and emotional. Some of that he loved. But one thing he didn't love about his family at, at all was the way they quarreled with each other all the time. The generation uh, of his parents and then of his grandparents, it seemed to him they were always on each other about petty things. Somebody skipped on, out on Nana's 90th birthday party and the rest of them are angry about it. Or uh, somebody said something at a wedding or at Thanksgiving or all these little slights that then would get blown up into great big deals. Well, he was explaining that just about everybody in his family owned some small business of some kind or another, and that even children were enlisted pretty early to do whatever they could in a family business in the back, you know, helping load or unload things or, you know, the stock room, or uh, he said, sometimes you might even be working customer service, anything that a little kid could do, he had grown up doing and then as he finished high school with no particular plan, I think he went to um, community college for maybe a year, wasn't finding that what he wanted to do. But people were trying to recruit him into the various little businesses they had, and he really wanted no part of it. He just said to himself, yeah, fine, you're going to bring me on to your business, and then I'm going to hear all this carping and griping about other family members the rest of my life. He just said, I, there's got to be a different way to lead a life. So he said the job that he was working uh, on the day of his death was not a long-term plan. It was um, his right now, not his future. It was his right now. That's how he referred to it. Well, as you heard, um, that there was a big unexpected uh, event, an explosion, and the fellow that was driving the van had never driven a 15-passenger van before. He saw that he needed to turn around and he chose a pretty narrow place to do it. And Tony told us once he was in it, he was pretty committed to it. It was very tight and it was on the edge of a bluff. Inside the van, a whole bunch of people started being backseat drivers, shouting out all kind of recommendations, commands and things. And Tony didn't like the look of it at all. He's, he really did think that uh, they were precariously close to toppling down the side of an embankment. Uh, and he thought, yikes, I could die in one of three ways. I could either die of blunt force trauma because I'm not wearing a seatbelt. And if this thing rolls, I'm going to be bounced around all over the place. So he might die of blunt force trauma. He said uh, the thing could burst into flames as it's falling off the road and down a bluff so he could be burned to death. And then he said, or I could land in nasty water inside a refinery and drown in it. So uh, he had the, had the clarity in the moment to think of all those three possible outcomes. And the funny thing is you wouldn't think that would be a funny moment, but he was recalling a far side comic. Do you remember the far side comics? Uh, they were usually one panel not always, but most of the time they were one panel, uh, a, a pen and ink drawing cartoon of something ridiculous. It, and it, the reason it was the far side is because the guy's, uh, Gary Larson's sense of humor was so um, out there. Well, 
Tony remembered a, a favorite cartoon that depicted a building. I think it was a, a two or three story brick building that must have been swept away in a flood because it's in a river. Why would it, why would it be in a river? Um, it's on fire and it's about to go over a waterfall. And on the outside of the building is the sign crisis center. Well, every possible crisis was going on at the crisis center all at once. And that's what Tony felt like in the moments that preceded the uh, the van accident. He, in the dream, he just showed me, um, we leveled up, but the driver kept backing up. We tilted more and I awoke. When we got to talk to him, he explained that um, it reminded him of one of those scenes in movies where somebody is on the edge of a cliff in a vehicle and the, there's a close-up of the wheel uh, spinning and maybe getting traction and, and carrying going on, or maybe the vehicle goes over a cliff. He said in movies, most of the time you have that um, cliffhanger moment, and then uh, all is well. They get traction and off they go, and this, the story proceeds in some other way. Well, he said that in this this. This time it didn't, it, it didn't, uh, they fell. He became aware in that moment of his guardian angel. He was an Italian Catholic guy and he said, I'd heard of angels before, but I didn't pay that much attention to your guardian. Um, he said he was around people all the time, especially grandmas uh, in an Italian Catholic uh, family network that ha had a kind of mystical sense of the angels and the saints and walked around talking to them and had little statues and, uh, and holy cards depictions of different saints and angels uh, but he said in the moment that he needed his angel the most it was right there he said uh, uh, my angel just grabbed me out of that, that that awful circumstance and set me down on by the side of the road while the thing tumbled and while he died he said um, he called his angel, angel Tinkerbell he was remembering Tinkerbell from uh, the Disney uh, adaptation of Peter Pan. He said they all, all the angels fly around, uh, but this one really kind of darts and it reminded him of the Tinkerbell at the beginning of uh, Walt Disney's wonderful world of color when that show was coming on, just when color TV in the mid sixties was a thing uh, uh, that, that Disneyland castle that's so iconic in the, in the beginning of that uh, show, Tinkerbell had a little magic wand and she would hit it three times and different uh, sparkly colors came and kind of created something like a fireworks display over the uh, castle in the Magic Kingdom. He was thinking of, her, of his guardian as, as that, as Tinkerbell. But he credited Tinkerbell and said... Uh, Tinkerbell did, did her job really, really well. She got me to safety and she said, listen carefully to me. You can look over there if you want to, but you don't have to. Do you understand that you're over here and you're safe with me? He said, yeah, that's clear. He said, you're not over there anymore. Your body is over there, but it brought you through a lot of things, but it couldn't bring you through that, that van accident. But you're safe with me. And we're not going anywhere until you say the word. We'll stay right here. But when you say the word, I'll take you to someplace uh, safe and better than this. 
So he said, well, why would I want to sit around in a refinery? So he went with her. Uh, of course, in these stories, we're only, we only receive somebody in a dream when they have been vetted. They've been through some sort of healing process after their sudden violent death. They're over the worst of it. And their care team in the afterlife uh, has deemed them ready to make a move from this uh, post-trauma event to uh, what we often, I think, at funerals hope or presume for uh, the deceased person we love who we're, we're uh, honoring, that that they that that we pray that in their new life that they're having reunions with loved ones, they're uh, doing activities we know they enjoyed, um, and we imagine happy things and pray for happy things to to happen to our loved ones. Well, uh, the the ones that we deal with in this this first level. They've been through a trauma that they just are not ready for any of that quite yet, but they get there. And that's what we help them do. Cross to something better. So um, in Tony's story, he he was laughing. Um, he had really got a great sense of humor. And, and uh, I guess people that are funny and have great senses of humor, some of them die suddenly and tragically, and it doesn't necessarily derail them forever. Maybe they had a really horrible day and they have to do something to get over what happened to them. But he did it pretty quickly. And he uh, he found humor in it. And, and then when he shared it with us, the story with us, um, he gave some advice about, uh, about about what he would say to other people. I don't want to give too much of that away because that's really more topical in one of the upcoming podcasts. But he made fun of the fact that uh, just about everybody in his fam family was named Anthony. That St. Anthony of Padua, the, the Franciscan in the brown robe, uh, was uh, patron of their hometown in Sicily and... Uh, Many of the, the women were called Antoinette or Tonette or something. He said, we tortured that name every which way to make it sound a little bit different for the next guy or gal. Um, but when it came time for him to cross, we said, well, is, is uh, Tinkerbell going to uh, take you? I mean, sometimes that's the way that works. And he said, let's hang out. Let's wait just a minute and see. And he said, no, no, no. He he. <laughs> He he picked a memory out of my imagination. Maybe some of you that are my age and older will remember the flying Melendez. I mean, they were around before I was born in the mid fifties, but it was this family of circus performers uh, in tights, and uh, they you know did uh, uh, all this tightrope stuff, uh, dangerous uh, tightrope walking and trapezes and all of that. It was a whole big family, several generations of them. Well, anyway, when he saw who was coming for him, it was his whole clan. It was all what he, the Anthony's, he said. It was all his relatives. And he said, they're all named Anthony, and, and, and they look like they're floating. So he called them the floating Anthony's. And he said they came toward him uh, to make him know that he was loved and welcomed and that he had a group to belong to. He ended up hanging out with them and... He said that the uh, that his whole clan shows up and they he said they're not like on a trapeze, but they're floating and they're all named Anthony or one version of it or another. 
And then he told us um, in the follow-up, when we got his permission to use the story, we um, he told us that he was around them, but he was around them, uh, a different version of them that wasn't petty, uh, sniping at one another. In fact, one of them told him, You'll, you're going to like it here. You're going to find out that we all have to behave like uh, civil adults and we're not allowed to annoy each other for all eternity. So the, the he his relatives explained to him that he was um, that that they're now going to see an adult civil um, version of themselves as a group and that they're not allowed to annoy each other for all eternity. That's the way he put it. So that's the, the essence of the story of uh, Tony, Tinkerbell, and the Floating Anthonys. In the next podcast, we'll go into uh, what I anticipate will be some uh, compassionate response to that story. And then after that, we'll do a little bit of uh, spiritual practice related to that story. Tony's got advice to give you. He, he was very straightforward. He said, this is going to be memorialized because it's going to be in a book. So I'm going to give this some thought because I'm whatever I say is going to be remembered. So that's in fact the case. So thank you for being a part of this short episode of the Joyful Friar, where we have met uh, Tony Tinkerbell and the Floating Anthonys. And next time we'll go into that story a little deeper in terms of compassion response. But for right now, this is Father Nathan Castle. Uh, thank you for being part of the Joyful Friar podcast. Remember, I'm praying for you. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joyful Friar. Please like, follow, and subscribe. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com. Send me a message by clicking the contact button. God bless.